The Sands-Free Radio Show. Truth music for East Texas. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Set, set free radio. Treat music for East Texas. I pull up, I'm heavy, they looking, they checking, they asking, they crazy. I give them their blessings, I'm teaching them lessons, believing in friends. Welcome to Set Free Radio. I am your brother, Justin, and this is where we like to try to positively impact our community and social media with the hope of Jesus Christ through Christian rap and uh, conversation. So we have a special guest here today, Mr. Jay Werner Wallace. And uh, man, I'm super excited, you know, to have him here. He's a, he's a best-selling author. He's got uh, six books out now, I think. But more than I care to count. More than you care yeah. to count. Yeah. Got a bunch of books out. You know, he's a, he's a Dateline feature cold case detective. He's been on, you know, Dateline more than any other detective. That's true. And you know, he's also an apologist. He's a speaker. He tours around, you know, the country, and then you know, just kind of he's a Christian case maker. You know, that's right. And provides you know evidential mm-hmm. support, you know, for the Bible for Christianity. So. You know, super excited to have them here, you know, and um, if you just take a second right quick while we're on, just to go ahead and uh, just tell them how they can find you on, you know, Facebook and, uh, you know, social media, your website, your podcast. Yeah, we have our website at coldcasechristianity.com, and there are social media links are there at the website, but you can find me at Jay Warner Wallace on Twitter, same same handle, Jay Warner Wallace on Facebook and on Instagram. So, yeah, I'd be happy to, to connect with you after you reach yes, out to me on social media. Yes, sir. And then, you know, also Set Free Radio, man, y'all check us out. We are on all, you know, social media platforms. Uh, you know, find us on YouTube. We're on there. You know, we're trying to get our subscribers up, you know. And so, you know, definitely appreciate Jim for coming on, you know, to our humble podcast radio shows. We're on uh, YouTube. We're on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook Live. We go live every Monday at 7 p.m. So, uh, awesome. if you're watching this, go ahead and give us a like, give us a share. You know, subscribe to us on YouTube, and we're going to go ahead and take a quick break right quick, and we'll be right back with uh, Mr. Wallace here, and we'll get this thing going. All right. All right, y'all, we're back. Appreciate everybody staying tuned. Like I said, hopefully you liked it, you know, like this, shared it, um, tag some people, go ahead and subscribe on YouTube if you're watching this on YouTube. And um, we're back with Mr. Jay Warner Wallace. Thank you for coming on. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Glad to be here. And I'm just so excited because, you know, I really feel like it's a God thing that, you know, I was able to even connect with him because, you know, it just so happened to catch a post online where, you know, where you were meeting uh, like people to help with the book launch of personal interest. Right. And then being able to be on there. And I, it's like I was reading the first couple pages of personal interest and I saw, you know, where you were talking about you. Long view, yeah, yeah, you were at the Books of Million right up the street here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know, right around the corner. So yeah. I just, man, it just blew my mind. And I was That's like, how long Books of Million has been there, yes, right? a long time. Long time. You know what I'm saying? And we were having it at that China King right next yes. door is where we were eating. Mm-hmm. So so it's it's been, yeah, this has been a part of my journey, this part of, the, of Texas. Yeah. So I was glad to come back and join you. Oh, man, it's awesome. And, you know, just being able to reach out on Zoom and find out you know your, your family lives around here so that's yeah that's a great thing so I, I truly feel like you know God has definitely 
allowed us to be able to get you here and you know how you come speak for us man and um so just in saying that i just kind of wanted to you know in case the people are not familiar yet with you like just kind of give them a you know a little brief a little Mm -hmm. bit about your testimony or your background and kind of Sure. So I, I was raised, uh, this has always been home to us in the sense my dad was born here in Houston Springs, Texas, right about 40 minutes away. And uh, this was always the place we would come on vacation with my family. Which is why, vacation. Yes, it is. A, well, you know, and people used to always say, what are you, where are you from? We'd say, well, we're from, from Southern California. And like by the beach? Yeah. I said, what are you guys doing here? Yeah. Well, because this is really where our family was, and mm-hmm. we love Piney Woods in Northeast Texas, and so you just can't beat this place. So, mm-hmm. so we would always come here for a month every summer, wow. and and I like, like most. Of that's when I first started coming here. You know, I was younger, and I was not a Christian until I was thirty-five. Mm-hmm. So. So there's a big chunk of time when I was coming to Northeast Texas where I was not a believer. Mm-hmm. And, and my my family here were, you know, I think that, you know, my dad for sure, I've um, got some in-laws now who are, are attend church, but mm-hmm. I don't, I just wasn't raised around the church. Yeah. I wasn't raised around anyone who was a believer. Um, and so I was not interested in Christianity. And the few police officers I knew who were Christians yeah. really were not gifted in terms of communicating why Christianity was true. Mm-hmm. So when I first got interested in the Bible, I just examined it the way I would examine any set of witness statements. And so I slowly just kind of worked through those gospels and tested them. And mm-hmm. there's a principle that we use to test eyewitness accounts that we actually have instructions for jurors. And I used those jury instructions to examine the gospels. And that's really how I became a Christian to begin with. Yeah. So a lot of my journey is evidential, right? It's using the evidence to determine if Christianity is true. Yeah, and that's awesome because, like you said, a good majority of believers, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have maybe like a, an experience or, you know, we've been to church or, you know, even have a born-again experience, but it's a lot of times it's walking by faith, but it's not so much sure. of a, And I think that's, and it's not an either-or. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's every one of us is wired somewhat differently, yeah. right? And that's some true. of us are going to be wired where you can examine all that evidence and it wouldn't move you because mm-hmm. you're waiting for an experience. Some yeah. of us are wired where we don't even need any of that. God reaches people in different ways. Yes. But for people like me, I think we're in a culture where there are a lot yes. of, especially young people, mm-hmm. who are being told that you got to follow the science. And yeah. It's evidence-based, data-driven stuff. And you guys who are Christians, you don't, you seem to ignore that stuff. That's their claim. Yeah, exactly. So we want to be able to say, well, actually, no, you can come in this way. Yeah, you know? yeah awesome. I've always wondered, does anybody, you know, say, that sounds like kind of like Lee Strobel, like you're the Lee yeah, Strobel. Yeah, yeah, and, and Lee has been a very, very dear brother. I mean, when I first uh, thought about this idea, mm-hmm. we had a, I, I met Lee once at a conference, and and you know, how many times do you meet somebody at a conference? And, but no, when I when I reached out to him to say, hey, would you be willing to help me? Maybe would you be willing to endorse a book if I write one? Yeah. Uh, he right away came back and said, well, would you like me to write the foreword? And so Lee Strobel tells you he'll write. But we are uh, have a kind of a kindred spirit, right? Mm-hmm. He's an investigative yeah. journalist, exactly. so he's reporting on the kinds of cases that I'm generally working. Mm-hmm. And so we are sometimes in the courtroom. Yeah, they are investigative journalists in the courtroom sometimes yeah. with you. Um, so a lot of my experience gets reported by people like Lee. Yeah, exactly. And you know, in a lot of his kind of like the book or the movie, you know, Case for Christ. Yes. You know, he was writing yes. about crime stories and stuff. So. Yes. And I just think it's amazing how God has used Lee yes. uh, to reach an entire, you know, millions of people with the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it's good, man. God is good. And, yeah. you know, and I definitely, um, you know, with my walk, like I said, I wasn't, you know, a believer until I was like 32, 33, you know, and it took... Uh, kind of like the worst pain in my life that I went through, you know, to where, you know, I cried out to Jesus, 
and you know he gave me peace so i had kind of that experience but yeah. i had always been kind of skeptical about mm-hmm. different stuff i didn't grow up in the church either so one of the things is i had that experience but it's and i you know i decided to give my life to christ decided to just you know make this walk yeah. or whatever and, and look at all the stuff you're doing now exactly trying to communicate jesus and you know a big part of that what was helped me with my faith because I, I remember struggling a lot you know i used to always sing for the uh, the guy that brought his son to jesus you know i mm-hmm. believe but help my unbelief yes and apologetics to me a lot has helped me to boost my faith to yeah. where it like makes me even more bold with my faith. You yes. know? And you know, I even had an experience like to where where I was, you know, kind of just checking stuff out. There was remember there was an article on Facebook and it was about, you know, historians disprove Jesus because of something. And I was like, I don't want to click that because if I do it's gonna give me some doubts, it's gonna hurt. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I actually clicked on it and read it and what what blew me away is that it was so like horribly written, it was just complete garbage. And that actually built my faith up because I'm like, well, Jesus has to be who he says he was because why is everybody attacking Jesus? Yeah, like, there's you know, this reason why he makes more impact. than, And that impact is sometimes because people will put their faith in him and mm-hmm. sometimes it's because people will resist yeah. and they end up amplifying the name of Jesus in their resistance. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. I would say the subject of, of, of doubts and stuff just kind of mm-hmm. closes up. Is there anything, you know, in this walk that you've had, like your biggest maybe doubt or struggle that you've had to kind of work through? Um, I think I, my, my biggest issue coming in was that I was just so committed as what people know as a philosophical naturalist, mm-hmm. this idea that uh, you don't need anything supernatural or miraculous to explain the world the way it is. Mm-hmm. I was somebody who believed that wherever we had an open question about how the world works or how the universe came into being, or whatever it may be, uh, that if we wait long enough, the science will help us to determine. Mm-hmm. You don't need to infer the existence of a god mm-hmm. to explain something that we can eventually explain through space, time, matter, yeah. physics, and chemistry. So mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest challenge for me was trying to overcome um, this view of the world that did not require, didn't even, I, mean, be, I would have said, if you insert God into any scientific exploration, you no longer are doing science. If you insert God into any historical investigation, you're no longer doing history. I would have said these are things that are purely limited to fiction and mythology, and yeah. and so that was what I had to overcome personally in order to get to where I am now. Okay, and like you said, you know, it's just awesome to see everything that yeah. the Lord yeah. has used you for, man. That's so right. That's awesome. So we're going to take a quick little break. Uh, we're going to listen to some, you know, some dope music, you know, dope interviews. So y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. Keep it tuned in. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We're back. Appreciate it. Staying tuned. Getting back on to us, man. Uh, we do have Mr. Jay Warner Wallace here. Been fortunate enough to get an interview with him. We have him come here to speak for us. So um, we just want to talk about the newest book, Personal Interest. Uh, you know, you can see it right there. We That's got right. it. Uh, very awesome book, man. It's, it's, it's very dope. You know, I'm, I'm very blessed that I was able to kind of read it. You yeah, know, during you're, the, you're the book launcher. During, yeah, that's right. During it's the awesome. test run. So it was, it's, awesome. it's, it's been a very awesome book, man. It's, it's, it's very neat the way you approached it even, you know. And I guess the first question I have about the book is that, because having read Cold Case Christianity before, mm-hmm. um, it seems like, you know, Cold Case Christianity was focused on making the case for right. the most part. And that this kind of more kind of involves also your testimony too. Yeah, so, yeah. So and that and part of that is because for years people would ask me about mm-hmm. that, and I was always hesitant to say much about. 
Because unfortunately, you know, the, the truth is that my testimony is that crazy investigation that mm -hmm. was in the gold case. Yeah. But no one ever thinks of that as a testimony. They think, well, no, but we want to know kind of like what is your spiritual journey? You know, what was it? Where did God bring you to? What experience? It's about basic experiences. People mm -hmm. want to know what was the experience that demonstrated it was true for you. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, it wasn't an experience. It was a, an investigation. And I don't know how else to say it. Um, but what I tried to do in person of interest was kind of show you how this unwrapped mm -hmm. um, and so that was part of what I'm doing but also I'm, I'm trying to make an out so so there's two ways two forms of evidence you use when you do criminal trials and and when I was doing cold case I was looking at everything that was inside the New Testament why do we trust that that New Testament is reliable yeah. but anytime you have a crime scene you're not just working with the evidence in the crime scene you're often working with evidence that's outside the crime scene yeah. Some domino that got tripped over that ends up tripping a domino out over there. Well, I, I'm going to look at all that stuff when I make the case. So a person of interest takes a kind of an opposite view of cold case. Cold case looks at what's in the Gospels. Person of interest looks at what's outside the Gospels. Mm -hmm. And that case, the, the inside and outside case, is really what compelled me to believe this was true. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a long process, right? Because mm -hmm. to build that case, you know, even if you work at it every day, it's going to take months yeah. just to get to a place where you feel like you have what I always call like a blogger's uh, ability to recall it, to mm -hmm. communicate it. Now, this is not like an academic's yeah. ability to communicate it. Mm -hmm. But when you're really trying to convince yourself or convince yourself it isn't true, mm -hmm. just trying to either bring it in or take it off the list, um, you just need to know, you'll know pretty quickly. I don't need to have necessarily an academic's view yeah. to have enough information to make a decision and so what we do with person of interest is I have a, a, a strategy it's, I use all the same strategy in every uh, nobody murder case mm -hmm. where someone kills their business partner or they kill their loved one and then they get rid of the body and they say I don't know what happened to her yeah. you know she gets just got mad she had an argument and she left yeah and then you know 30 years goes by and we don't have any photographs from the crime scene because it was never even taken as a murder mm -hmm. initially it was a missing persons even if you got wise to it in the first month well, you're a month behind the murder scene, yep. and so now you have this mess. And so, so without anything in the crime scene, how do you determine what happened on the day that she went missing? I always say, well, if she was murdered, that was an explosive event. Mm -hmm. But all bombs have a fuse that burn up to the detonation of the bomb, and then you have all this blast radius junk everywhere. And so, we're going to make the case from the fuse and the fallout. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, even if I have nothing from the crime scene, yeah. I can make a case from the fuse and the fallout. Yes. And that's what we do in person of interest. What we're yeah. trying to do is say, hey. If you had no, if they had utterly destroyed every New Testament document, well, it turns out you're not going to get rid of Jesus because you can completely reconstruct the Jesus story just from the fuse and fallout of history. And then you got to ask yourself the question, and that, by the way, cannot be done for any other historical figure. Yes. So the question becomes then why? Why does this guy have that kind of impact? Yes. And then from that impact, you can completely reconstruct this story. Mm -hmm. That's like crazy. Why would that be the case? Yep. So uh, that's really what the book tries to do. Yes, it's it's a very awesome way to look at it, and and even the way you tied in the the, the case. You know, yeah, trying to retell a murder. And you know, I'll tell you something about that. I learned something. Mm -hmm. So when I did cold case, I would tell a little detective story in every chapter, but mm -hmm. they weren't related. Mm -hmm. They were just little, you know, two paragraph, three paragraph stories. And I thought that that just kind of helps people to see, oh yeah, that's how it works in a case. Yeah. Here's how it works with Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, but this time, I learned something from doing kids' books. Because mm -hmm. I did three kids' books. Yes. And I learned something from those kids' books 
that was uh, interesting. Kids would tell me that, oh yeah, I wanted to read it right away. I wanted to read the whole thing. Well, that's because in the kids' books, I'd have a mystery. You want the whole, yeah. And it would be over 10 chapters. Yep. And you'd have to go through each chapter to solve the mm -hmm. mystery. And so even though they probably weren't even interested yeah. in the case for Jesus, <laughs> they wanted to see what was in that box, yeah. you know, or what, where'd that dog come from, wherever mystery I put in there. Yeah. So in this book, I just decided to tell a story of one case over 10 chapters. Yes. And so I think the next book I might do something very similar yeah. because I think that ended up being popular. Oh yeah, and then you know, like you said, you're kind of you're learning about Jesus, but you're also at the yeah, same you want to see how did he how did he convict exactly. us? Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's yeah. a pretty cool thing. Would you call this maybe a, a prequel to to Cold Case Christianity? Yeah, so so people ask me like, well, how did you become a well? It's actually captured in three books. Mm -hmm. It's it's Cold Case Christianity, and that got me to a place where I had to re rethink my presuppositions about mm -hmm. God's existence. So then I started thinking, well, okay, yeah, but this would require God, this would require something divine, and I reject that. Yeah. And I, well, why am I rejecting that? So I found myself then looking at the evidence that I wrote in another book called God's Crime Scene. Yes. So really, for me, that nine-month period mm -hmm. was God's Crime Scene, Cold Case Christianity, and Person of Interest, all in one nine-month period. Yeah. And when I first started writing books, I would offer the publishers, which of these do you want to go? They, the first publishers said, well, we'll start with Cold Case. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, if there's no God, then there's no Christian God. Yeah. So if you looked at it sequentially, you'd probably start with the case for God mm -hmm. rather than the case for the gospel yeah. or the liability. But for me, it was very, uh, it was not as clean as that. You know, you, when you start looking at Christianity, you probably felt the same way. You start having questions, and they're in weird niches. Mm -hmm. And then you need an answer to that weird niche question yeah. before you can go on. Yeah. But you might think, well, why do you need that? This isn't even related. It's something over here. Well, yeah, but it's just the way your mind thinks. So you, you end up, I, I rabbit trailed a bunch of stuff, right? Uh, it wasn't a clean, like, oh, I'm going to knock over this, then I'm going to yeah. knock over that. No, I get two steps in, and I go, oh, rabbit, yeah. come back. Oh, rabbit, mm -hmm. come back. You know, so I kind of like the squirrel. On, uh, on up, you know, that yeah. movie where the dog is constantly squirrel. You know, that's how you kind of feel when you do this work. Yes, yeah, I agree with you. It's and you got to chase those rabbits until you run them out. Yeah, so. and there's a bunch on the chase. Yeah, that's true. Yes, and so like personal interest, it, it basically, I remember reading the interview or hearing you, you were saying that it, a large part of the reason why it was wrote was because of the COVID lockdown, you know? Yeah, no, and so, yeah, I had no idea how much work it was going to be to make what is my bloggers ability, you know, so I'd already looked at all this stuff years ago, mm -hmm. and I had some notes, and I had some, but I didn't keep everything I, I, I should have, and I didn't know I'd be writing a book about it, you know, 24 years later, so, yeah. so I didn't keep it all, and then a lot of stuff kind of got updated, so I want to make sure I have updated stuff, so to turn kind of a blogger level understanding of certain mm -hmm. topics, into a referenced, yes. footnoted. I needed somehow. I got two. Uh, so I, I had two uh, um, research assistants, mm -hmm. and I could tell. Okay, here's where I got it from before. Just go back. I needed to be now footnoted though, so I need to find out. Like, like I think it's going to be over here, and they helped me to find my sources again yeah. and footnote all those sources, and that was really helpful because it turns out that there's about, well, there's about 50 pages of footnotes mm -hmm. in this book printed version. Yes. And I think that that's, if people want to read that, great, but you don't have to read that mm -hmm. to get the book to work. Yeah. But then there's another 270 in a PDF file yep. offline because I just knew that I wanted to empty it out if you just thought, well, how, because I mean, we're doing some crazy stuff in this book. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things we're doing, for example, is seeing the impact of Jesus of Nazareth on scientists. Yes. Well, we have 950 scientists we looked at as a group. Mm -hmm. And then you're reading through all of their statements about Jesus, their work, 
Well, that's a lot of data. And I'm not going to put that in the book, you know, bore you to tears. I want to be able to summarize it in the mm -hmm. book. You know, look at it this way. When you do a criminal trial in front of a jury, you uh, present data, facts, mm -hmm. for like 10 weeks. And then you're done. You do a four-hour closing argument. Well, you're not presenting the whole 10 weeks worth of stuff again. You're summarizing it into four hours. So a book sometimes is like your closing argument, mm -hmm. but it stands on 10 weeks worth of evidence you yeah. showed the jury. Well, where's that evidence? It's in the footnotes. Yeah. So that's what we had to do for this book. And if it hadn't been for COVID, I can tell you, I would not have had the time. Yeah. Like I wasn't traveling. They canceled all the travel mm -hmm. events. So I was home and I was able to every day just get up and sit in the living room in front of a fire and mm -hmm. and bang out uh, the resources. So yeah, it's pretty cool. And you know, you know, it just I think kind of speaks to you know just even as bad as COVID was and everything that happened, you know, God works good out of oh, everything. Yeah, yeah. So. and I think that you know we kind of get a sense of like you even said in your own personal story mm -hmm. that sometimes it's dark spots in your journey yeah. that end up pointing you. You don't sometimes yep. look up until you're standing at the bottom. So. Exactly. You knocked off the horse like Paul, you know? That's right. That's exactly right. Exactly. Well, um, let me see. Let me ask the, what was the most surprising thing you found in your research? Um, I thought always this, the science, that's why I did a whole chapter on the science. Because when I was first looking at this 20 some odd years ago, I was the guy who would have said that these Christians are anti-science and they're anti-education. Mm -hmm. So those two chapters, education yeah, and science, in the book, I just thought that was the most surprising thing. I guess... You know, uh, I went to UCLA, and by the time I was at UCLA, it was not a you know, Christian-friendly campus. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a conservative-friendly campus, and so I was surprised to find how much of like the UC system. Like, how you'd be surprised to see how many university systems yes. in America and globally mm -hmm. were founded by Christ followers, yeah. even though today they would reject Jesus. Mm -hmm. So. So that's part of what I want to write about too. That's good. Yeah, and you know, I I think one of the things that kind of because one this one thing that kind of tripped me up or was tripping me up earlier on um, because I remember reading reading uh, um, Mere Christianity by yeah. C.S. Lewis, Lewis was you know sometimes sometimes I guess the whole zeitgeist or yeah zeitgeist yeah, yes. uh, yeah spirit talking, of the age yeah, yeah and they get to talking about well there's all these different you know deities oh yeah the movies oh absolutely yeah. and so you know I think that's one of the things that kind of you know kind of troubled me but you know even C.S. Lewis said that you know it's kind of something you touched yeah. on it, the fact that you know all these that any similarities there were kind of points to Jesus you yes. know what I'm saying rather than I mean, why would they be similar that's one of the things we're going to talk about tonight at the presentation we're doing here. So, so yeah, I think that's that is, and that that never bothered me, right? Well, a lot of it was because as you examine the similarities, yes. uh, they're not that similar. So there's there's yeah. some you're thinking, oh, like I would like to, I would, to be honest, I would have hoped they were more similar mm -hmm. uh, because I wanted to. That would be intriguing, right? Like, yeah. Ooh, that's how could that be? Either either you discover something false about Jesus. Or something false about the other God. You discover something, though. Yeah. But it turns out, as you examine these, they are not as similar as they would have you believe. Exactly. But but there are some overarching uh, similarities that we need to talk about, yeah. and and ask the question why why are these similar in all of these ancient mythologies? So anyway. Yeah. And then you know I think that speaks also to like the, the strenuous you know research and footnotes in this because you know you have the evidence to. A lot of stuff like the zeitgeist and yeah, you know a lot of right. memes. There was another one. movie called The God Who Wasn't There. Really, okay. kind of a similar one too. You know, this idea that there are other uh, rising, uh, dying and rising saviors. Mm. There are other saviors that are born of virgins. You know, all these things that are just borrowed allegedly mm. by the gospel others. They don't have any first source. Yeah, kind of I know. So, but so if you really go back and the, big, the one that shook uh, uh, 
gotten the most interested mm-hmm. was Mithras, okay. a deity from Persia, and could, because sometimes this would be like they, they make him sound so similar to Jesus, mm-hmm. and then but as you research it, you realize, wow, this is kind of like all mythologies. You have to really stretch the Mithras story to get him to look like Jesus in any way. And that's you know I think that's the importance of like researching everything for yourself because yeah. there's so much information on the internet, you know. You don't want to just take anything for what it says. You want to go out yeah. and research and look at you know both sides, the Christian side and the you know the secular side. Yeah, I do side. think we're at a crisis right now of, of um, trust. Mm-hmm. You know, like if if young people thought about they want to know something about Jesus, I, I don't know who would they trust online. You almost feel like mm-hmm. you can get polar opposite explanations for any issue, politically, yeah. religiously, whatever, mm-hmm. depending on which news source you go to. Yeah, that's true. So then the question becomes, and both seem equally authoritative. So mm-hmm. how do you know which of these to trust, right? And you can't trust my pastor. He's got skin in the game. He yeah. wants me to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. He wants me to tie to his yeah, church. Yeah, you know, know, whatever it may be, I've heard them all. So yeah. so the, that is that is part of the, 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 the challenge is how do you, but, but rest assured, even in a criminal trial, in a criminal case, there is a fact set available, mm-hmm. and it's true the way I present it may be different than the way the defense attorney presents the exact same data, mm-hmm. but the jury can return to the data. Yeah. So what we have to be able to help people do is to return. That's why you put footnotes, you know, case notes in a book. Exactly. Yeah, and like I said, I would highly suggest if you haven't checked the book out, man, it's, it's awesome. It's available everywhere you can get a book at, you know, mm-hmm. and like I said, on top of that, you get that book with the footnotes, all the drawings that you know that's that you right. hand drew yourself. I gotta see if it's at Books a Million. I hope it's yeah. there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> since we're here, yeah, there's no yeah. Books a Million where I'm at. By the way, this okay. is the only one I've ever known because mm-hmm. it's the only one I've ever been to in Longview. Gotcha. Yeah, so, I, I wonder if they're trying to give him a flyer for the event. The manager wasn't there, so I left it. But I didn't. You know, oh, that's I funny. Like, he mentioned. I, I mentioned his business for crying out loud. Gave him a shout out and everything. All right, that's okay. But uh, so yeah, so definitely check it out. Not only do you get the book, you get the footnotes, you get the PDF, and I've got the powerpoints, yes, videos, all that stuff. So it's man, it's it's a, it's a very awesome book. So we're gonna take a quick little break right there. We're gonna play some more music, and then we're gonna come back and wrap this thing up. And uh, we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. All right, y'all. Appreciate everybody being tuned in. This is the interview with Safety Radio and uh, Jay Warner Wallace here. Uh, best-selling author, cold case detective, Dateline feature, Christian apologist. You know, he's, he's got a lot of, got, wears many hats. Well, know? I'm glad to be uh, at least visiting yes. Northeast Texas. Yes. That's yes. The, basically the heart of the country, Man. Northeast Texas. Yes. The, the, the I don't think people today. understand what Northeast Texas is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's telling you you're going to go to Texas. Mm-hmm. They've got a view. Oh, yeah. Even like a geographic. Yeah, even mm-hmm. the, how it's going to look, you know, mm-hmm. geographically. But this is the Piney Woods yes. kind of green side, of, mm-hmm. probably more like Louisiana in some yeah. ways, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, but uh, it certainly is prettier. Yeah, it's, it's a nice spot, you know. And it this is. is this is the whole thing. And it's not humid here in the summer, and it's not bush. <laughs> My yeah. sons are still the first time our kids, when they were small, ever mm-hmm. saw a cicada. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was enough. Yeah, I think we got them to come back though. For gigantic year, for year, mosquitoes so. and all, yeah, that oh, yeah, all that stuff. Yes. At least you can feel them landing on us. They try to yeah. carry you away. So that's good. That's so. right. That's right. And this Texas weather, where it's that's 70 right. degrees one day and I know it was today. 76 degrees yesterday and it was 39 today. Yes. Of, uh, yeah. Big snowflakes and everything. So yeah. So but, <laughs> just to wrap everything up, man, I just wanted to because you know, like I said, I, I understand the importance of apologetics. You know. Yeah. Right. And, um, there's a there's a very good quote you have where you talk about you know one dollar apologists you know yeah. rather than have one million dollar apologists have a bunch of you know one dollar yes. apologists yes. and I think that speaks to a lot of 
you know, kind of our, um, just everyday Christians, you know, our kind of uh, responsibility, you know, part of the Great Commission and, you know, to make a case for, you know, sharing our faith because if you're actually act actively out there sharing your faith, you're going to face opposition, you know, you're no, going to have to be, you know, prepared, you're going to have to be ready. Yeah. And, um, you know, so just kind of. Well, I, I, when I first wanted, I used to say this all the time before I ever wrote books, mm -hmm. uh, back when I was working as a detective and serving on youth ministries. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, we don't need another million dollar apologist because there's a sense like, oh, I could never be that, do yeah. that. I don't write books. I don't have a website. Mm -hmm. But in fact, in those days, there was no, no one really doing anything on YouTube. So it was kind of like, you know, I just, in order to break it as a million dollar, like you got to be like Lee Strobel or yeah. C.S. Lewis. Uh -huh. And I used to tell people, we don't need another million dollar apologist. Yes. We need a million one dollar apologist. And that's the way I still see myself. That's the way all of us who are in the church, Christ followers, we, we need to embrace. This is not an option. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of us feel like, well, we should communicate the gospel more than we do because we feel that great commission burden. Mm -hmm. And we feel like, hey, that we're called to be evangelists. But the reality of it is, is that Paul says in Ephesians 4, you know, it, it's actually, not everybody is an evangelist yeah. or a pastor or yeah. a teacher. He says, some of you are, some of you are, some of you are. But that means some of us aren't. Yeah. So that's not necessarily uh, maybe how you're gifted or mm -hmm. what the call on God has in your life is to be out, a, you know, a, a, an evangelist. But Peter doesn't give us that option, right? In 1 Peter 3, he says, hey, all of us are to be able to give the reason for the hope yes. we have in Jesus. And that just and it's gonna be different for for, mm -hmm. for many people. For a lot of us you know, who are watching this, it may just be your personal experience. But remember that pretty much everyone who believes in God in some form can say they've had an experience that confirmed for them that God is good. So my Mormon family would tell you that that yeah, you know, I, they've had an experience or they were raised in the church. The two most popular answers that Christians get. Mm -hmm. I've had an experience or I was raised in the church. So if, if all of us can do that, Muslims, uh, you know, Mormons, every group can mm -hmm. do this, then what would separate us? Mm -hmm. How do you know your experience mm -hmm. and your church is teaching truth? Well, that's where the evidence is really helpful. It doesn't just confirm that, yes, your experience is valid, but it also can help you guard yourself. Yep from false experiences that are not grounded in the truth. So so that's why I think it's important, and that's why in the first book, I wanted it to use that million dollar expression, the million dollar apologist, um, but my, my literary agent said, no, you, dude, you're nobody. You can't come out and make it sound like you're, you're yeah. criticizing somebody. And I thought, that's not how I mean it. I don't mean like you people are actually making a million dollars as an apologist, trust me. Uh, no one's doing that. But but. It was really more about the value that the church sees. Mm -hmm. and, and so I didn't say it in cold case. I didn't write it until I got to forensic faith. But then I was able to say some things I couldn't say before. But the reality of it is, is we have to make a decision to do more than just trust Christ. We have to make a second decision to you know, be able to defend Christ in a culture. And, and look, we're in the South right now. Mm -hmm. And the experience we're having in Northeast Texas is probably different than the experience I have in Los Angeles mm -hmm. County. So that, to me, is a very unchurched environment um, where there's not a tradition and this is how I could grow up and never know anybody in my family mm -hmm. or in my friends said that we're Christians mm -hmm. because that's 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 kind of the culture I was living in you know so I, I think it's going to be a different challenge but if as soon as you end up out in now on social media so it turns out that we are no longer a kind of a global community mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that you have a reach that's well beyond Northeast Texas mm -hmm. so 
and we all do. So then the question becomes, okay, well, what are, the, what are the new challenges? I actually think that now is the time for us to be able to defend why this is true, because we are going to hold to some very unpopular moral teachings. Mm -hmm. And this moral teaching is going to be so unpopular that at some point someone's going to say, why are you such an idiot mm -hmm. that you would believe such nonsense? Or, or you might question yourself, why, why do I hold on to these when everything in the culture is telling me that I need to abandon this view and that view? Well, that's where I think apologetics can help you stand tall. That's good. And, and that kind of even ties into kind of what I was wanting to talk about with um, because another, another one of my favorite apologists is Beckett Cook. Yes, and absolutely. With him. Yes. And I, I really liked how you, you know, brought up, you know, the fact that, you know, both of y'all have become Christians late, That's you right. know, late in your um, age, kind of like me, you know. And, yeah. And it, it, it really speaks to me because, you know, not having just necessarily grown up in the church, you know, but having that experience with Jesus and being born again, it's like, you know, you appreciate it so that's much right. more. No, yeah, it's very true. I mean, you don't take it for granted. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if you've never, if you were raised, I always want, I love Thai food, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of Thai food in Southern California because that's how close we are to the Pacific. Mm -hmm. And so Thai food is huge there and I love it. But I didn't discover it until I was probably, I don't know, 40. Mm -hmm. Maybe, no, I, maybe I was my 20s when I first tasted it. But man, I was, I loved it. By the time I was 40, it was a regular part of our going out to dinner. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, if I was raised, if this was like my, if my parents made this for me, I probably wouldn't appreciate this, right? Yes, exactly. But because I didn't discover it, and it's mm -hmm. still rare for me, I only get up in once a month, yes. right? It still is like, wow, you know, it has this special thing for me. And well, I think that when you come into the church late, yeah. because you live your whole life without it, that you don't take any minute of it for granted. Exactly. And, and so, and, and that's why we have to kind of help ourselves to recognize. So maybe for a lot of people who are raised in the church, but never looked at it evidentially, yeah. this is a way to jumpstart, to see it anew, anew in a way you've never thought of it before, mm -hmm. that might just reinvigorate, reinvigorate the way you, exactly. you see your faith. And you know, and it just leads to, you know, a lot of times I've experienced, like, you know, like you talked about, it's just you want to tell everybody about That's it. That's right. I just you know, discovered this crazy thing. Yeah. Look at this little thing I discovered. Yeah. That's so when's that. the last time you discovered something about Jesus that you couldn't wait to tell somebody yeah. else? That's good. That's a very good point. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. If you get that book, you'll have plenty of, I promise you. Well, that's a good, that's pretty cool. Or, you know, in any of the other books, Whole Case Christianity, Forensic Faith, yeah. you know, and it's, it's very good information. And like I said, even in my own testimony, it's almost like, you know, coming out of the matrix, like seeing this yeah, whole world yeah. with a different worldview, and it's just, yeah. you know, things that you thought were good were not good, you know, are not yeah. actually good, the things you thought were important are not really important. Right. And so stuff that you've walked by your whole life and never associated God with that yes. at all, That's and suddenly you realize, oh, actually, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. So if Christianity is true and the Bible is true, then it should describe the world the way it really is. Exactly. And if it does, we're going to discover things we had never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it makes a lot of sense, and it's definitely, you know, and having children, you know, that's, that's yeah. what I'm able to kind of, you know, pour into. Yeah. So, so how old, did you have kids when you first became a Christian? No, they were, my daughter was probably seven or eight, and my son was maybe about four or five. So you were already a parent, but yes. you weren't a Christian yet. Yes. You know, I think that's so interesting, because that was true for me, too. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if that is another way that God helps us to see because exactly. the relationship, the, the father to mm -hmm. creation, creator to creation yeah. relationship is clearer mm -hmm. once you become a father yes. 
And you understand, well, yeah, that, 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 this is why so many of the parables of Jesus, the prodigal son, son. all these things that, that, that use a father mm-hmm. in a way to, even describing God as the father, as the father yeah. it's, it's, it's helpful. And I think that that's why, so for some of us, I tell a lot of people who are like, oh, my son, he's not a Christian, he's raised in the church, but he's not a Christian. I always say, well, has he got kids yet? Mm-hmm. Because it might just be that God uses some of that experience yeah. to soften us so that we'll kind of hear this trick. Yeah, and you're right. Like, I learned stuff from. From, about God from just how I feel about my kids and from you yeah, know, right. the love I see them showing. Right. So, the, so the atheist in me would have said, oh yeah, that's why you believe in God. Okay. Because you just happen to be taking and projecting your view as a father on. But it might just be, because there's times when you're communicating to your kids mm-hmm. and you are using analogies you think your kids will understand so they grab the concept. Yeah. That's all God's doing with us. Exactly. And I think that part of that is we just don't, we just, as we're not parents yet, we're not fathers yet, so we don't see. And think about it, in this generation, you know, if you'd have been talking to someone in the first century, if he's, this dude was 15, he might be a father. Yes. You know, I mean, these right. people were getting married at 13, mm-hmm. 15, 16 in those ranges. Yeah. But now we got people, you can be 36 and still not have kids. Mm-hmm. So and you still aren't in that place yeah. where the analogy clicks for you. Yeah. So be patient. I think that's part exactly. of the process. Yeah, I mean, you know, in God's goodness and mercy, like he, he will literally wait till you're on your deathbed. That's right. On the cross. And, that's we've, and we've both seen that happen. Exactly. So, so, yeah, and, and just, you know, just bringing that up and tying it in, that's a perfect yeah. segue, you know, just talking about dad, I know you, you know, spoke about your dad. And, that's right. You know, him not being a believer currently, right. you know, right. yet. Right. You know, right. So, uh, so yeah, I've, I've, I've had conversations with my dad, mm-hmm. and and then there was a couple of years ago where I was, you know, I mean, he was never really ever interested in, in Christianity, mm-hmm. but uh, we did have a conversation on the way to Longview. Mm-hmm. We were coming up here to go to a bike shop, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I took a guy, I just thought, I just got to be as clear yeah. and as... Um, you know, it's not about persuasion because it's what God's going to do. Yeah, exactly. But I do wonder sometimes, you know, if God's already done something, am I going to know if I don't say something and yeah. I don't try? Mm-hmm. To, like, I would never know if God had already started to work on him yeah. unless I continue to, to say things that I think I've already said to him. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you're thinking, yeah, I've already had these conversations, don't stop having them because uh, you just don't know. Yeah, and you know, like, like it says in... Uh, Peter, you know, he's not slow as some people can say. That's right. I know. I know. Here we are thinking, like, why can't you hurry up exactly. like, to, to, to a God who is eternal? Exactly. Uh, you're, you're acting as though that he's living within your 90-year timeline. Yeah. And he, you know, that, like, just in the whole experience with my dad, I, I was able to see how good God is, you know, and just how he just kept him, man. Like, my dad basically was an atheist, you know, when we were growing up. And y'all would always ask my mom when we would go to church, you know, yeah. a few times. And went, why is that? And I'm going, well, he's kind of an atheist because... Vietnam and you know different stuff yeah. and you know, he went through the uh, he was in the biker gang he was actually you know president yeah. of Bandidos and a national president and you know he he got locked up he did 10 years in the federal pen when I was like 13 or so got cancer while he was in there and so that I think that was God working on him you know what I'm saying because when he got out you know one of the times I spoke to him he was like yeah I could feel the prayers working and this and that you know so that kind of humbled him a little yeah. bit yeah. got a lung transplant you know and and it's just like when I worked up, after I got saved, I had a burden for him, you know, kind of working the, you know, the nerd to kind of talk about it. And it just felt like something was holding him back. And, you know, I prayed about it, prayed about it. I felt like, you know, he might've been feeling like, you know, he had did so much wrong through everything he did in life that, you know, God wouldn't accept him. So it's funny, like about a week or two before he passed, we were able to spend a whole day together. And one of the things God put on my heart was to tell him like, hey, you know, 
uh, Moses was a murderer. You know, uh, yeah. you know, Paul, if he didn't kill Christians, right. he was responsible for persecuting them. And God still used both of these men. Like, and, yeah. and he got real quiet and kind of thought about it. And, you know, to where, like, a few weeks later when he was going to pass away on his deathbed, you know, we were able to, you know, all come down there and be able to pray and say, Dad, you know, just trust Jesus and him say, okay. Yeah. And it's just like, you How know, many kids did he have? Uh, just two, me and my sister. So. You and your sister. So mm -hmm. you're the only boy. Yeah. Who's older, you or your sister? I am. So you're the oldest child. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And so people listening to this need to know that it's hard to communicate to your parents. Mm -hmm. They they see you still as the kid. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, what is this? You know, not, not what do you know so much, but, but it's hard to humble yourself. Yeah. I mean, it might be easier to do it if it was your dad telling you mm -hmm. than you telling your dad. So... So I think that's part of it, right? Yeah. So how great is it though that, that you had a chance to do that and now you have some 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 peace. Testimony and yeah, yeah it's just awesome. the peace and not even just being sad when he passed because I know like, yeah. and you know, and just finding out in the you know, afterwards, you know, that he had marine buddies in Vietnam that had got saved and been praying for him, that I know I had a real godly aunt that had been praying for him and you know, it's just it's just really been amazing. It's just, so cool. It it knocked a lot of the build up around the gospel down to me to where it's you know it's so simple, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like thief on the cross. That's right. That's right. And so, so, so you might think, well, do I need to know everything in books? Yeah. Like, no, of course not. The, the, the gospel is the kind of thing you can you can access immediately yeah. and then study for the rest of your life. Yes. I mean, it's deep and it's and it's available yeah. at the same time. So, yeah. so I think that that's that's really cool that you were able to. And, and you know, take that step. Yeah, and we're, we're definitely praying. We're yeah, praying. that's right. So God's working. And um, man, that's that's awesome. I guess just to kind of wrap this thing up, since you know we're talking about apologetics, what would be some books that you would recommend, like for anybody getting in, you know, uh, apologetics, you know, your books or anything? Yeah, I think that you know one of the books. It's like one of my first apologetics books I ever read mm -hmm. was well after I was a Christian. I didn't know there was such a thing as apologetics yeah. books. Um, but then I discovered C.S. Lewis, mm -hmm. and uh, so his stuff. But you know, some people find C.S. Lewis a little bit wordy. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's really great, but awesome. it's now Lee Stro all Lee Strobel stuff is really yes. accessible and mm -hmm. really easy to read. Also, a lot of the stuff from Josh McDowell, yes, uh, early on was really powerful, and he's rewritten a bunch of his books with his son Sean. Mm -hmm. So you can you can get a lot of good information from. From that as well. So, the, and also a good friend of mine, Frank Turek, yes, Frank has a book called awesome. "I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be yes, an Atheist," uh -huh. and he has a book Still called "Stealing from God,", God mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, so, these are all guys who I think at the world of who are right. And for kind of a cultural apologetics, mm -hmm. like how do I deal with what the world is claiming today? I think people like Elisa Childers yeah. uh -huh. uh, are really powerful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot, lot out there. What's really great about you know working on any of these platforms, if it's Books a Million or if it's Amazon or whatever it is, almost always when you're looking at someone's book, mm -hmm. they'll they'll show you the other ones in the category. Yeah, and true. so I think that, that, that you know once you start with something that's accessible, mm -hmm. like Frank Turek's book, you're mm -hmm. probably going to find mine and Sean's yeah. and everybody else are in the bottom stream. So that's good. That's good. Man. Yeah, that's helpful. What would be um what would be some books that you know you would recommend just giving to skeptics? You know, if there, if there are any. Books yeah, so I think this is the hardest. So I'm going to say something to you about that. I, okay. I know that books do reach skeptics. Mm -hmm. It's clear they have, and I get people write to me all the time. And mm -hmm. so I think that almost any book you would think would help you learn apologetics mm -hmm. could also, depending on who the skeptic is. If there's somebody who's like a really high level skeptic, mm -hmm. well, there's people like William Lane Craig. Yeah. With the highest level philosopher yes. of Christianity, right. who has debated more skeptics than any other Christian probably alive, 
uh, he's somebody you can you can point resources to, and he's at reasonable faith. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's a great source. If he's a scientific skeptic, mm -hmm. people have reasons to believe yeah. have some great materials like Hugh Ross and Fazal Ron. Uh, so those are some people to look at as well. Uh, but I think a lot of it for us is going to be, if you know a skeptic personally, yeah. then take the time to figure out where the objections really are. You go out and research them, mm -hmm. and you be the first presenter of response to your, because it's always the information connected to a relationship that makes the difference. And mm -hmm. if you give him my book, well, he's going to get the information, but I don't have a relationship with that yeah, person. You, if you read my book, well, now suddenly you know everything I know, mm -hmm. plus you have a relationship, yeah. and now you're able to move forward. So, so a lot of it I would say, hey, if, you, if it's a skeptic, be uh, slow just to give a book. Yeah. Be quick to read the books that will help you respond to your skeptic. Okay. That's good, and, and that kind of ties in with something that I wanted to mention earlier, too, because it's kind of cliche. People say that you know your life sometimes is the only Bible some yeah, people read, right. but you know, I think that's a big impact, and even... Just talking about my dad, the first time I talked to him about me accepting Christ, and you know, he said, Well, I have seen a big change in your life. That's right. So, see, so, and people want that. So, it, it's been called the fifth gospel in your life. And you know, even Bobby Conway, who's the one minute apologist mm -hmm. online, he's written a book called The Fifth Gospel. And, and what we're really talking about is, you know, what what is it about? Um, I, it, I always am hesitant in the past about that because, right, because it seems like our Mormon families behave more like devout Christians <laughs> than Christians do yeah. often, right? Yeah. And they'll be surprised that any time that the, the, the worldview, the theological system you're in requires you to behave well to be saved, mm -hmm. you're probably more likely to behave well yeah. because it's required. That's true. Uh, the problem we have is that we know it's the grace of God that yeah. saves us, yet that grace ought to compel us. Yes. To a changed life, mm -hmm. but if you if you know you don't have to do it, then it's easy to fall back into yeah. well, I'm just trusting the grace of God. Yeah, on that yeah. One. Yeah. And I do this too. We all do this, right? So, so I think that's part of the trick. That's mm -hmm. why I want to go beyond just the life you live, mm -hmm. because we're going to encounter people. I've encountered atheists that have better moral fiber than a lot myself sometimes yeah. I'll think I'm not even as not good a guy as that guy he's not a believer yeah. so and I've met lots of guys like that so I think it's just a matter of us recognizing it's a not an either or it's a both mm -hmm. end you okay. know that's yeah. good, man. That's good. Well, I think it's been an awesome interview, man, and I thank you again. You know, yeah, I appreciate yeah, you yeah. Glad, glad to be able to. Thanks yes. for bringing me out so we yes, can oh, so yeah. we can do this. It's yeah. awesome, man. So you know, this has been Set Free Radio. I'm your brother Justin, Jay Warner Wallace, Cold Case Christianity. Yep. You know, check him out. His podcast, all the books. Um, Personal interest is the very newest one, Cold Case Christianity, um, Forensic Faith, and the right. God's Crime Scene. He's got a bunch of books for kids. It's very awesome. Yeah. So check him out, man, and and you know then. You know, let him build, let, let, let these resources build your faith and, you know, compel you to go out and, you know, spread sure. the gospel. And, That's yeah. right. So, appreciate y'all tuning in. We're going to wrap it up with a little bit of music. Grace and peace. God bless y'all. The Set Free Radio Show. Free music for East Texas. Texas.